Our sermon text this morning will be from the Gospel of Mark. It's just the next passage uh, that we come to in the Gospel of Mark. But I was amazed as I was studying this week at God's providence that the parable that Jesus tells in Mark 12 is a fitting word for our times. But before I read that, I want to read our Old Testament lesson in Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 7 and 24. And you'll notice that when we read the story that Jesus tells in Mark 12, that he clearly had in mind and even quotes this song in Isaiah 5. So here's Isaiah 5, 1 through 7 and verse 24. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold, an outcry. In verse 24, Therefore, as the tongue of fire devours the stubble, and as dry grass sinks down in the flame, so their root will be as rottenness, and their blossom go up like dust. For they have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts and have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. And now our sermon text, our gospel reading, Mark chapter 12, 1 through 12. And Jesus began to speak to them, and that would be the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. He began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a pit for the wine press and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. When the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. And they took him and beat him, and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent to them another servant, and they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another, and him they killed. And so with many others, some they beat and some they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them, saying, they will respect my son. 
But those tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. Jesus says, What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And they were seeking to arrest him, but feared the people. For they perceived that he had told the parable against them. So they left him and went away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray. Oh, Father, this morning, um, help us not to be like these uh, fruitless fools who despise the word of the Holy One of Israel, who would not listen to your word. Help us to listen. Help us by your spirit to listen and to grow and to bear the fruit of justice and righteousness that you have planted us to produce. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If there's anything I've learned about myself this week, it's this. I need to learn better how to listen to the stories of people who are in pain. I need to learn better how to listen to the stories of people who are in pain. James wrote in his letter, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Uh, I tend to reverse those. I tend to be quick to anger, quick to speak, and slow to listen. I'll confess to you that the death of George Floyd and the resulting uh, protests turned up the volume on our country's conversation about racism, and I am ashamed that the volume had to be turned up to the level it has been turned up these past two weeks to shake me out of my indifference to the pain of our black friends in Chattanooga and in this country. Even if I could even if I could say that I'm not guilty of prejudice and racism, which I cannot say because I am, I can say for certain that I'm guilty of indifference to their stories of pain. I'm indif- I've been indifferent to the pain that prejudice and racism has caused in our country, and I'm guilty of my willful ignorance of the power that it still holds. I need to learn how to listen to the stories of people in pain. But it's not just, it's not just what's been going on this week. It's, it's what's going on in my own heart toward even people in my own family. I, I've not considered well or enough the great amount of loss and grief and trauma that some in my own family have experienced. I've let how they've hurt me speak louder than how they've been hurt by others, including me. God is slowly breaking my heart about that. 
I need to learn better how to listen to the stories of people who are in pain. And as a pastor, this week I have failed to listen well in conversation with someone. I tried to fix and find fault more than I tried to feel the weight of their story. God help me. I need to learn better how to listen to the stories of people who are in pain. Because if I would only keep my mouth shut long enough to listen to your story, then I would know you. I would know you as a person who has a story, as a person who is made in the image of the storytelling God. But here's what else I've learned as I've studied Mark 12 this week. I've learned that the reason I'm slow to listen to, the pe- to people made in the image of the storytelling God is that I'm slow to listen to the story that God is telling for us, for them, about him. And this is why Jesus told the chief priests, scribes, and elders a story in Mark 12. It's a parable. It's a story that's meant to confront them about not listening to God. And the amazing thing about this story that he tells is that this story of the vineyard is actually the whole story of the people of God. It's all wrapped up in this little parable. Let me show you what I mean. There's three acts to the story that Jesus tells. Act one is what I call the creation of the vineyard. He says, a man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a pit for the wine press and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went away into another country. It's the creation story of the vineyard. God is the owner who planted the vineyard. And and notice the great care that he takes to plant it and build it. Some scholars believe that it would have taken three growing seasons for this vineyard to be ready to produce its first crop of grapes. Uh, In year one, uh, the vineyard owner would clear the stones and use them to build a fence, use them to build a watchtower. In the second season, he would plant the choice vines and then spend his time digging a pit out of rock for the wine press so that at the end of the third growing season, he would have the first fruits of all of his labors. So just as this owner has made every provision and protection for his vines to produce good fruit at the hands of his tenants, God has made every provision and protection for us as his vine, for his people to produce good fruit at the hands of his tenants. God has done so much to provide and protect his vineyard that he could say in Isaiah 5.4, what more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? He's a generous God. And God did all that he did because he delights in his vineyard. Isaiah 5.7, the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is his pleasant planting. God's people are his pleasant planting. I love that. God loves his people and he longs for them to flourish and be fruitful. But exactly what was the fruit that God expected to receive from this vineyard? 
Isaiah 5-7 tells us, he looked for justice and he looked for righteousness. So the fruit that God was looking for in the song in Isaiah 5 is the fruit the owner was looking for in the story in Mark 12. Justice and righteousness. These two stories are connected. Justice and righteousness, these are huge words. And they're all over, particularly the Old Testament. And many times in the Old Testament, justice and righteousness are found together. So I need to unpack them just a little bit. Um, The Hebrew word for justice is mishpat. And its most basic meaning is to treat people equitably. Mishpat, then, is giving people what they are due, whether that's punishment or protection or care. And so mishpat can refer to what some would call retributive justice, like if I steal something, I'm going to pay the consequences. But most often in the Bible, mishpat refers to restorative justice, which means it seeks out vulnerable people who are being taken advantage of and helps them taking up the care and cause of widows, orphans, immigrants, and the poor. Tim Keller says that the the mishpat or justness of a society, according to the Bible, is evaluated by how it treats these groups of people. God loves and defends those with the least economic and social power, and so should we. That's what it means to do justice. So that's justice. What about the fruit of righteousness? We tend to think of righteousness as being a good person. True. But the Old Testament word for righteousness, uh, zadikah, is more specific than that. It actually refers to right relationships between people. It's relational. Alec Mockyer, a Bible scholar, defines righteousness, uh, defines the righteous as those right with God, and therefore committed to putting right all other relationships in life. So both justice and and righteousness are relational. It's about our relationships with one another and with the least and the last. Friends, when the chief priests and scribes and elders heard Act 1 of this story, they knew Isaiah 5. And they had to have been thinking, this is us. He's talking about us. This is Israel. And friends, when we hear this part of the story, we should also remember that this is us. All image bearers are made for justice and righteousness. We're made for it. We long for it. Our black neighbors in this country were made for justice and righteousness, so they cry out for it in the streets. When you see on your screens businesses broken into and property burned by opportunistic thieves, you cry out, where's the justice? The shop owner cries out, where's the justice? We're all craving justice these days. We all feel that passion for justice and righteousness because we're all made in the image of our just and righteous creator. On the front of your bulletin, Jeremiah 9.24, I read it a little while ago. I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. 
The owner of the vineyard practices justice and righteousness in all of his relationships, so it's no surprise that he looks for the fruit of justice and righteousness in all of our relationships. This is us. This is our story. But the question that the story brings to a head is, does God find in us the fruit he's looking for? And that brings us to act two of the story, which I'm calling the failure to produce fruit. And Isaiah 5 tells us that God, the owner of the vineyard, looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes or sour grapes. He looked for justice, but behold, he found bloodshed. He looked for righteousness, but behold, he heard an outcry. Instead of justice, instead of protecting and giving life to the most vulnerable, Israel produced bloodshed. They took life from the most vulnerable. Instead of the flourishing of relational righteousness, all he found in Israel was an outcry, a cry for help to God by those who have been mistreated by their own countrymen. Friends, when the chief priests, scribes, and elders heard Jesus tell this parable, they knew Isaiah chapter 5. They had to be thinking, this is us. He's saying that we, like our fathers before us, have not produced the fruit of justice and righteousness. And when we hear this part of the story, we have to ask ourselves, is this us? Can my life, can your life be characterized as one that does justice? That seeks to care for the vulnerable among us, coming alongside those who are hurt and helpless and hindered. And this week, as I as I think about this, this is what I, I wonder to myself. Could justice in my life, justice in my life, it, at least just start with listening? Listening to my black brothers and sisters who hurt right now without trying to fix them or fault them. Just listen to their pain. And in my family and in our church and in every other relationship, shouldn't justice just start with listening to each other's stories and fears and anxieties without fixing or faulting, but feeling the weight of the stories? What about righteousness? Can my life be characterized as righteous? A life that, because of Jesus, is right with God, so I spend myself making things right with others. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, through Christ, God reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry and message of reconciliation. So am I carrying out that ministry of reconciliation with all people, no matter their color, in the places I live and worship and work and play and go to school? Where's the fruit, Jimmy? Where are justice and righteousness growing and not growing in my life? That's act two of the story, the failure to produce fruit. And then we come to the final act, 
the final act that I, I am calling the owner to the rescue. The owner to the rescue. Listen to how Jesus describes the patient pursuit of this vineyard owner. When the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Stop right there. If you or I owned that vineyard and someone did to that to our employees, we'd go in there, clean them out, and hire a whole new crew. What is wrong with this owner? Again, he sent to them another servant. And they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. Okay, maybe now. No, he sent another. And him they killed. And so with many others, some they beat and some they killed. God sent prophet after prophet after prophet to his people, but they didn't listen to his voice in their messages. They didn't listen. He was calling them, I have shown you, O oh my people. I have shown you what is good and what I want from you. To do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with me, your God. He was wooing them. Repent, turn around, come back into right relationship with me and right relationship with one another. He was wooing them. But they blocked God's messages. They declined his calls. They ghosted the God who loved them. And in Isaiah 5, 24, we read this morning, this is how it's described. They have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. They have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Oh God, let that never be said of us. They didn't listen to God and the sour grapes of injustice and unrighteousness and relational garbage continued to grow wild in them and they shed the blood of his servants, the prophets. Hebrews 11 says that many of the prophets suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. And then what about that last prophet before Jesus, John the baptizer? Israel's king, Herod, had his head chopped off and served on a platter at a party. They despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. But I want you to see that God is patiently and persistently coming to the rescue of his fruitless people. His love is relentless. Yes, his message to them was hard to hear. It was, give me justice, give me righteousness, or else in my righteousness, I will mete out my justice upon you. If you won't show me justice, I will show you justice. He loves them, so he woos them. He loves them, so he warns them. He loves them, but they won't listen. Friends, he loves you, so he woos you. He loves you. 
That's why he warns you. Every time you hear or read the Bible, every sermon you hear, every friend or family member who speaks to you the name or the word of Jesus, every pleasant or painful moment in your life, God has said to you to cry out to you, listen, come back, come back and bear good fruit. He's pursuing you because he loves And how far is this foolish owner willing to go to win back fruitless fools? Jesus says the owner of the vineyard still had another, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them saying, they will respect my son. Friends, can we... Can we not see the long-suffering love of God for fruitless fools like us? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever would believe on him would not perish but have eternal life. You see, at this point in the parable, Jesus is saying, this is me, this is me. I am the son who has come because my father loves his lost people. I'm I'm the son. I'm the son. But the leaders of Israel would have nothing of it. Those tenants said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. History's only just and righteous human suffered history's most unjust and unrighteous murder. And in chapters 14 and 15, Mark will describe that unjust murder of Jesus. Jesus the just, Jesus the righteous, Jesus the beloved son will be unjustly mocked and ridiculed and betrayed and misrepresented beaten to a pulp, falsely accused and convicted for crimes he didn't commit, executed in shame on a Roman cross. Jesus will suffocate under the knee of Rome while those who should protect him stand by and approve of it all. No one wants their son treated that way. What kind of vineyard owner would do this to his son? Why would he do this? Because he loves you. Because the only way for God's fruitless people to begin to bear the fruit of justice and righteousness is to come and change the root of who they are. We can't bear the fruit of righteousness because we don't have the root of righteousness in us apart from Christ. We cannot be just until we are justified. By Jesus. Paul explained it this way in Romans 3. He said, There is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's no distinction. Do you hear that? There's something that's the same about all of us. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. A few verses earlier, Paul said, No one is righteous, not even one. And then he goes on to say that the only way we are justified is by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward 
as an atoning sacrifice by His blood so that we would receive that gift by faith. Because at our root, you and I are unjust. Jesus had to be just for us, and Jesus had to pay for our injustices. Because at our root, you and I are unrighteous, Jesus had to rightly relate to God and others for us, and he had to pay for all of our unrighteousness. Paul said that all of this was to show God's righteousness. Because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. And it was to show his righteousness at the present time by sending his son so that God might be just and the justifier of all those who have faith in Jesus. We sang these words this morning. Many hands were raised to wound him. None would interpose or intervene to save. But the deepest stroke that pierced him was the stroke that justice gave. Can we see that Jesus was unjustly killed at the hands of sinful men and say, that should have been us? Can we hear that Jesus cried out, Father, as he was dying at the hands of sinful men and say, that should have been us? The deepest stroke that pierced Jesus was the stroke that justice gave, and that should have been us. We were complicit in his death. And friends, here's the glorious irony of the story. God used injustice to take away our injustices. God used the most unrighteous killing, the most unrighteous act of history to make unrighteous people righteous. It's crazy, but it's good news. Peter said it this way, Christ suffered once for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. God is the just one, and he is the one who justifies, the one who has faith in Jesus. So, know this, friends. God will mete out his justice on all injustice and on all unrighteousness. He promises he will do that. And that should give us hope. For those who will receive his son, he pours out his justice, not on them, but on his son. But for those who will not receive his son, those folks will bear the justice of God themselves one day. Because Jesus said, what will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. So have no fear, friends as you look around at what's going on. The justice we all long for has come for all who will receive Jesus and will come for all who will not receive him. Let's be honest. When it comes to the injustices we see in others, we want justice. But when it comes to the injustices we have committed ourselves, We don't want justice. We want mercy. And you can have mercy if you will confess your injustices, own up to your unrighteousness, and ask Jesus to root them up out of you and replant you in his justice and righteousness. 
Because you cannot have true justice without Jesus. He's the cornerstone that holds the whole building together. He's the one who ties the whole story of justice and righteousness together. Jesus is where you get the fruit of righteousness and justice that you were made to produce. When Jesus finished telling the story, the chief priests, scribes, and elders all perceived that he had told the parable against them. Oh, you think? Maybe? So at the end of his story, they said, in fear, this is us. And they killed him anyway. What will we do, Mountain Fellowship, when we hear the story and we say, this is us? Will we receive the Son or reject Him? For those who will receive the Son, this is our story because this, this is our Jesus. We are His vineyard. We are rooted in him together and we will go bear the fruit of his justice and his righteousness in every place he plants us so that we might share in God's deep gladness and renewing all people, all places, all things. That's what God wants for our church. Let's pray. Father, we confess our injustices and our unrighteousness. We confess that we have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. The root of justice and the root of righteousness is not in us. Lord Jesus, come, come again by the power of your Spirit Plant yourself deep in us, deep in this church, and make us a vineyard that produces the fruit of justice and righteousness in all the places you plant us. We ask in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.